Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Reggie Expressions here. Um, I just wanted to, you know, come on and uh, I do have a topic that I want to talk about and it is within the uh, recent day uh, events. Um, one not so recent, the other was um, exactly 24 hours ago. So um, <clears throat> I'm speaking from a perspective of uh, uh, a African-American black male in, you know, in today's uh, society. And honestly, what these situations um, do in terms of the impact on us. Um, and what I mean by those situations is when we are killed, unfortunately, um, by the cops, in most instances, uh, unarmed, and the two Americas that we have. So um, if you guys can join me here in just a second, um, you know, to start this topic off, uh, that would be great. And we can dig in a little bit deeper of what it's like, what I feel, um, just my experience and, you know, um, kind of decipher what we can with the topic that is as broad as this one can be. So um, thank you for joining. Um, I want to say thank you to everybody who listened to last week's uh, or a couple weeks. Actually, it's been a little bit. Um, you know, I'm starting to get the view, uh, the listens up, which is awesome. Thank you so much. Um, I am still on Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor right here in the native app. All right. So we're going to, uh, you know, dig in a little bit deeper here in just a second. I'll be right back. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. The creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Um, so welcome back, guys. Uh, thank you again for your listens. Um, it took me uh, a little bit to create a podcast like this because, you know, I try to think of all the things that I like to highlight in terms of, you know, the overall experience of being a black male is like, and, um, Yesterday, I had a situation where I was, you know, it was really a discord between me and someone else and um, on Facebook about the particular situation involving Armad um, uh, Aubrey, uh, Aubrey. Now, the comment was to explain if black people invested in buying life insurance that maybe these deaths wouldn't happen um, because the insurance companies would be paying out so much money, you know, to have to file this and they would have no other choice but to speak on our behalf. Now, there's that comment that, you know, that comment is just wrong on many levels, but 
I'm I'm not here to talk about that. It just kind of made me think about my experience um, being an African American, Black American male here, and um, you know in America, and how these things that you know don't directly happen to me affects me directly. Um, <clears throat> so we're going to talk about the the Armad um, Aubrey situation, and we're also going to talk about the new situation in terms of Sean Reed. Um, so Mr. Ahmad was doing a daily run or doing a run that he does in the city of Brunswick in a predominantly white area. And, um, if you are on social media, you seen the news, I'm pretty sure at some point you've seen the video that exists of this young man's life being taken. And it's quite sad, um, you know, from the gist of what I have been able to get, you know, by looking at the video, he was running in a white T-shirt and basketball shorts. Um, he was being chased down by um, Travis McMichaels and um, I forget the son's name, so I apologize. I'll come back and get that later. Um, and there is a, another gentleman by the name of William Bryan, I think, um, who was chasing him because they thought that he had been involved in a burglary, which wasn't the story that was initially told. Rico! I'm sorry, guys. Rico's eating the other dog's food. Oh, there's nothing in there, Carlos tells me now. Um, but um, he was just running down the, the road and, you know, you see him and another man tussle with the gun. It shoots him. Um, he's getting ready to uh, run away. Uh, they shoot him twice off camera. You see him tussle. Um, he's getting ready to run. And as he runs, he falls to his death. And um, it was almost as if these men were lying in wait to to, uh, you know, to, to essentially gun this man down. Um, and, you know, they ultimately killed him. Um, the other caveat to the story is that this actually happened February 23rd of 2020. So this is two months ago that this story happened. And we are now just hearing um, the story details come out. <laughs> as well as the video that accompanied it. And I think if the video had not come out, we probably would still be in the early stages of trying to get this thing off the ground. And obviously losing that young man in that way is such a tragic way to be a black mom in America today. Uh, you know, for that to be what her son is remembered for, it's just heartbreaking because It just didn't need to happen. And um, they told their accounts of the situation, which was that they actively saw him in a, you know, in the burglary. Um, they confronted him and, you know, he was running away or whatever the case may be. That turned out to not be the case um, because they said they did a citizen's arrest. Um, and then um, it was just a, a multitude of cover-ups 
among, you know, uh, the people who are investigating it, you know, the information and stories have been told, the different account that they gave the mother, and the subsequent covering up of the details of this particular situation. And um, the video came out and we were able to clearly see that the story that the gentleman told their police reports did not match what was actually being um, uh, saying, uh, said or what actually happened uh, because we saw it. And the guys that you know murdered this man in cold blood still walk among us, among the free now. Um, there's been pictures updated where these guys have affiliations with some big name people, uh, Brian Kemp, you know, the governor of Georgia being one of them. Um, three prosecutors or judges have recused themselves from, um, you know, uh, presiding over it because of their ties to the men and their, you know, influence, uh, or not necessarily influence, but their ties to the men. And it's just sickening uh, on many, many levels that it would take this long for people who kill somebody in cold blood to be, at this point, just considered in terms of being, you know, um, found uh, uh, responsible for his murder, but that it took so long. That's what bothers me the most, the fact that it took so long for there to be any buzz of the story or there to be any, you know, situation uh, that has arised out of this. We're just now hearing the names of the men that did it. Uh, we're just now hearing the, uh, you know, the, the, the judges that have recused themselves. You know, we're seeing the pictures of these men surface. And, you know, so, uh, social media can be a gift and a curse sometimes. And in this situation, it's definitely a gift because it was able, we were able to use it in such a way to spread light and to just show our disdain and just, you know, anger and sadness that has just become too, you know, known and too recent over, you know, certain situations we've seen. Now, the situation with Sean Reed, because I'm going to transition to that particular situation, because there's obviously more on the Ahmad um, uh, story that I'm going to go over once I flesh the, the, the stories out. Sean Reed, um, Sean Dedon Reed, was in his vehicle um, driving in uh, Indianapolis, and um, I think he was being, they said something about a, I'm not going to even repeat the story as I saw it from the media, because I feel like a lot of times the media takes part in villainizing these victims by saying certain things. But from what I was able to see from the, um, the video, the Facebook Live, which unfortunately caught this man's untimely death. Um, he was fleeing, um, you know, because he feared for his life. He exited the vehicle. He runs for a little bit. And then you hear uh, the gunshots. You see the man fall. The camera is faced up. So luckily, none of us were able to see the last moments of that man's death. And we overhear 
someone say, oh, it looks like it's going to be a closed casket homing. Um, the video goes on for about an hour. Um, it was on Facebook Live. You know, obviously they take down situations like that. You know, simply because, you know, it's 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 a life, you know, those stories don't stay up. But obviously people shared it, screenshot it or screen record it to, you know, to see. Because in these situations, the video, the videos of these interactions is all we have. You know, and what I mean by we, Black Americans, um, African-Americans, all we have, um, you know, or people of color, it's all we have to be able to document the story in a way that isn't going to be documented by the people involved because it may paint them in a bad light, you know, or not even may, it will, because we will actually really see the story and what happens and what goes on or what happened, you know, before the story is made up, you know? Um, Ahmad's family decided to release the video as tragic as it looked and seems. And, you know, it, a lot of people question if it desensitizes us into, you know, seeing these images, but honestly, I feel like it's necessary because no one else is going to care. And, um, that's just the unfortunate situation that we live in and that, you know, is a prelude to the idea of there being two Americans, uh, uh, two Americas. Now, um, Sean Reed happened yesterday. Um, you know, as I normally do when I'm laying in bed with Carlos, as a result of all the other things that, you know, had washed over me because of what happened with Ahmad's situation, I went on Facebook, you know, to just get one last, glimpse, find a story I like so I can, you know, go to bed on a even kill note. Um, because at this point I'm restless and I hear about the Sean Reed situation. This gentleman was an Air Force uh, soldier um, and he had, he's young, you know, 21 years old, had his whole life in front, uh, in front of him. And, you know, snuffed out because of, you know, some trigger happy person. And it's, 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 it's unfortunate is an understatement. At this point, I see the sentiment of a lot of my friends, you know, a lot of people I um, am an acquaintance with on Facebook. We share the same sentiment of just being exhausted that it happens again and again and again and again. And there's no justice, no peace, you know. Um, the caveat that I have to this partic these particular stories is these are black men that on any given day, my makeup, my build, you know, my, my body type can be any person's description out there, which puts, puts me at danger, you know. Um, when I was young and sexy, uh, I ran, you know, I used to run marathons. I've ran uh, uh, 5Ks, 10Ks, uh, 15Ks. I've ran a lot. And, you know, for me to just think about jogging, I have a picture of me at the Gate River Run in 2015. To think about me jogging through the neighborhood and, you know, being a description of somebody and, and, and you know, being gunned down is just mind-boggling to me 
but it is a real possibility that can happen because again I'm six feet tall. I'm probably about 260, 270 pounds. You know, uh, you can't, you know, deny that I'm black. You can't deny that I'm heavy. You know, some people um, have, you know, are intimidated by me just simply because of my weight and my height alone. You know, um, we're often, you know, young men who have the same makeup and build that I have, we're often looked at as gentle giants, which I think is not really a a term of endearment because it just means you are big and gentle, you know, and, you know, sometimes I do get angry, but because of my weight and my, my height, you know, being the first thing that enters the room, I automatically sound defensive. I automatically sound like I'm not happy about something whenever I'm in a situation, which escalates times 10. And it just makes me, it just concerns me that the being the person that I am, you know, the going through what I've gone through in life, serving the military or serving my country, that all of that wouldn't matter if a situation went down and it was a similar situation for Ahmad or um, Sean Reed. And what happens is, is these men and women become hashtags. Sandra Bland, uh, Philando Castile, uh, Alton um, Sterling, um, Trayvon Martin, which is, you know, the person who kind of kicked off this. I, obviously, we had, you know, uh, men, black men's lives snuffed out before, but that was the, the, the first time in the state of Florida, or no, let me disregard, I'm, I'm getting my facts incorrect. That was on a main scale where we saw that the laws aren't set up, you know, to protect and serve everybody, that it's only stand your ground law when you are a certain skin tone, you know, when you aren't as threatening as somebody who happens to be black and not have a uh, um, an armed situation or um, be being armed, you know. It just becomes a part of this history that, you know, a lot of people may have thought was gone because it's not the 60s anymore and we're, you know, not slavery or we're not slaves, you know, and, and you know, Jim Crow laws, Crow laws don't exist anymore. It's, it's. I'm gonna have a loss for words. So why this story, why these stories matter to me? Why all these stories involving these young men and women who die daily for just a misunderstanding? It affects me because I feel the ghosts of these men and women who die. That's why I can rattle off their names so eloquently um, you know, as if I'm reciting lyrics, and I don't want that to be the case, because it's I I watched I went back and I rewatched the Kerry Washington um, movie American Son that is found on Netflix. Um, I've been seeing you know a lot of memes about Kerry Washington and 
her face and all that other stuff, whatever. But it, it, there's a very poignant uh, scene. It's basically a movie that takes place in one um, one room, right? And there's so many levels of that conversation that it, that that I think you know they did their best to try to dig deep into, but just scratch the surface. But I'm not here to talk about the movie. But there's a point where Kerry Washington's character, Kenny, um, or Kendra, who has a white husband, says her son feels like he's the face of the race. And I know a lot of us know what that means. I don't even have to go into detail about it. And the... There, there's a point where she talks about Philando Castillo. She says his name, Eric Garner, um, and says something about he can feel the ghost of these men and that his world, because she's talking about her son at this point, closes in every time situations like this happen because we all fit the same dis- description. And that stuck out to me. So when I saw Armand's uh, situation, uh, Ahmad's situation, and it reminded me of that scene. And I remember feeling like, shit, you know, she was able to wrap up how I feel, the anxiety that I get because of these stories happen so frequently that that, you know, it, it just summed up how I felt. And I can, I can feel, you know, the, the screams of these men and, you know, the tragedy and the stories that they're being, you know, told. And, you know, somehow we're supposed to get over it because we get an $800,000 settlement from, you know, from the state because they want to take responsibility for it. But that's not bringing our people back. That's not bringing our black men that are losing their lives back, you know. And then you have the whole conversation of what did that person do? What did he do? Why was why was Sean Reed running? Why was uh, Ahmad in an area that he knows nothing about? You know, he couldn't have been a good guy because why does he have an arrest record? As if people don't make mistakes or or whatever the case may be, that people who are victims must be infallible for us to be able to reason with their death, because otherwise they are responsible for their own deaths if they are not perfect, uh, uh, picture perfect. We saw this happen with Michael Brown and how his character was villainized. Same thing with Trayvon Martin, you know, how his character was villainized. You have these people who are no longer alive. They already have this burden of being a victim. And now the people who who are left behind to pick up the pieces of the tragedy are also left with having to clean up their legacy because it being slandered by people who want to dismiss it as being just a misunderstanding or he shouldn't have acted so free or he shouldn't have he should have just sat there sat there and shut up. He should have just said nothing. Why does he have to be so proud? You know, when 
I've seen my counterparts do less or do more and less happens. You know, this this goes a little bit into that to America that I was telling you about. The two Americas. Right? And how there is this double standard with, you know, us complying. And if we comply, then things will go well. Well, Philando Castile complied. He even told the, the person that killed him, hey, man, um, I have a firearm. So if you see me move it, it's not because I'm trying to, you know, like he had to have that conversation with him. He still died, you know. So what happens when you comply and you still die? Are we still responsible for our own deaths? You know, does the story change now a little bit? No. Are we being targeted? I wish I wish someone had the answers to under to explain these double standards. And it's simple. These double standards are simply because of race. Nothing more than that. Simply because of race. Because in any given even in any given situation, we are looked at as threatening and they feared for their lives whenever they tell the story of what happens. They feared for their lives. Why? I ain't had no gun. They didn't have a lot of them didn't have guns. How did you fear for your life? Was I moving too aggressively towards you? And who set who who sets that expectation? That's the issue with uh, laws like stand your ground laws. You have people who try to erroneously apply the that law to their situation. They felt threatened, and you know that gives them that thin veil of of protection temporarily until we see an outrage like this. That's why you see. The first thing these kids do or people do whenever situations happen is to pull out their smartphone because they need to be able to document the story in a way because their word is not going to be taken as truth because of how institutional racism has played into the factor of black people and brown people being credible. It's institutionalized. This is what happens when a country does not take the time to acknowledge the 400 years of slavery. And just because they free us, free us and decide that there's no reason to be mean to us anymore because enough of us, enough of us are mobilizing now and <clears throat> you know, so on and so forth. Whatever reason was given to, you know, to, to abolish, you know, uh, uh, segregation and so on and so forth, uh, you know, to just drop us off and, you know, have us start so far behind the power line, behind the uh, start line at this point, that it causes us to go on for years, you know, not being on the same page. Having some of us feel like because we made it out, everybody can. You know, having some of us feel like we can distance ourselves because that's not me, that's them. And what did they do? 
and just continue this perpetual cycle of the infighting in our community, which keeps us at each other's throats like crabs in a barrel. So it's, it's a tough situation. Actually, it's not. It's not a tough situation. It makes me angry to think of this being something that's still happening. Um, you know, black people are always black and brown people. Because I don't want the conversation to 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 just well let me say this before I, I say what I'm 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 trying to say. Ultimately I'm a I'm African American. I'm black. So my experience is always going to be the black experience. And that is in no way, shape or form to dismiss others um you know plight in their story. But I can only speak from the experience that I have um taken into and that I've felt and dealt with my my entire life. So um, I hope don't nobody feel any type of way and miss the point that I'm trying to make with, you know, uh, the, the story that I'm telling here. But I do understand that it happens to brown people too. You know, people of color, POCs, persons of color. I know it happens to other uh, nas- uh, ethnicities. So... I'm not, it it isn't lost on me that, you know, but I am telling you that it seems to happen more often in my community with people who look like me more. So I was saying something about there being two Americas. I'm going to talk about that now. So as you guys have seen in terms of memes or pictures and things of that nature happen, you can clearly see the difference between the Americas that we live in. You know, whereas we have a, uh, you know, uh, black American being gunned down to black Americans being forcefully uh, dealt with, you know, in the Bronx, um, and, you know, the areas of uh, New York, you know, with the rest and, um, you know, uh, uh, the misuse of uh, abuse of power, uh, if you will. And then the contrast of that in... I don't know these areas in New York. I can just tell you the stories or tell you, you know, paint the picture where you see uh, white people um, out with the cops and the cops are handing out masks, N95 masks for them to, you know, enjoy themselves on the, uh, you know, at the park and seeing, you know, happy-go-lucky, you know, no discord or, or anything like that happening, just handing out masks, even though they should be at home social distancing because they're in New York and literally 
everybody and their mama has it. And I'm I'm saying that facetiously, y'all. So don't at me. All right. Um it, it's such such a such a diff diff it's such a, a stark difference between those two stories. You know, the first time we saw something like this was back in uh Hurricane Katrina when the uh the black people were wading through the water in a supermarket and they were called looters and then you see white people in a different market being called you know uh salvaging or scavenging for for food both of them are you know going through stores taking stuff that is not theirs but black people are called looters and White people call, you know, scavengers. That was the first time we saw, not saying that that, it didn't happen before, but that was the first time that we saw and we acknowledged, you know, that story being told and how words do matter when you're painting, you know, a picture of people, you know, and just this human experience. That was the first time on a larger scale we saw that. And we see it again, you know, with people being arrested you know, I mean, you have uh, Francisco Garcia, who got this unarmed man, uh, unarmed man, and he looked horrible, by the way. He needs some more training. You go back and you look at that video where he's trying to round that guy up, he looks a hot damn mess. He gets the guy on the ground, puts his neck or his his uh, uh, knee on his neck, and tells the dude not to flex. And tells the dude, you know, other people to get away and and all this other stuff. And, you know, it was just a, 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 a blatant abuse of power. And this is this is happening happening in the Bronx. You know, one side we see masks being given out. Other side we see people being policed and telling, being told that they need to go home, you know, which side note, black people, I love us, but we need to take this, 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 uh, coronavirus serious. There's too many of us that have passed away that we need to make sure that we social distance until this thing is figured out because we are dying at alarming rates, alarming rates from this risk, whether it be because you know, we're, we're not being taken serious about the pain and, and stress. They're writing it off as, as, as uh, panic attacks and so on and so forth. You know, or we're just, you know, willfully going out and not protecting ourselves because we think that it can't happen to us. So we got to do better. You know what I'm saying? We're not out of the woods with this situation. And we definitely got to do better in terms of making sure uh we don't become victims because clearly the system isn't set up for us to to walk out alive. We've seen too many of us die. So I'm going to take a little bit of a break here, guys. I'm going to get some water, um, get my mind right, listen to a little bit of this section of it so I can make sure I start where I ended. And then I think I'm going to go ahead and wrap up the story with my final thoughts and, you know, go from there. So I'll be right back. 
Um, thanks for listening. And I'll be right back. All right, and I'm back, guys. Was able to go get some water, and I actually came up with some very great news. It looks like <clears throat> the father and son has been charged with murder in the shooting of Brunswick uh, Jogger. So um, this is from the storyline of uh, newsforjacks.com. And uh, this is out of Brunswick, as I was telling you guys about. The, and this is about Ahmad uh, Aubrey. Aubrey. They arrested Gregory McMichaels, because I couldn't remember the, uh, his name, and Travis, which is the son, um, in the deadly shooting of Ramad. Um, these, uh, this is coming directly from News for Jax, by the way. Um, <clears throat> they were both uh, charged with murder and aggravated assault, and they were uh, booked um, to Glen County Jail. Um, the board of uh, uh, the Georgia Investigation or Bureau of Investigations announced that the the arrest a day after it began its own um, investigation at the request of the outside prosecutor. Um, the uh, the shooting happened February twenty third. They're just now getting to it, um, and it looks like the Brunswick attorney said that he released the video because people had the right to know. Um, uh, and I think there's a little bit of a situation, I guess, in Ware County prosecuted, saw no grounds for request, uh, for, saw no grounds for arrest uh, before passing on Aubrey um, shooting death. So that basically leads us to believe, you know, a lot of times in these situations, being black in these situations, people, or being a black male because of the many stories that we have around, you know, uh, black men tropes that people can take a very offhand approach and say, well, oh, they look like they were just, you know, um, doing what they were supposed to do, doing a citizen's arrest, if you will, because they can't see themselves in this particular situation. There's a lack of empathy I think when it comes to people that are not of uh, uh, people of color to put themselves in these situations or even look at it from a different lens is because they can't put themselves in others. I don't see, I don't know any other, um, I don't think this happens a lot with white people where, um, you know, something happens and they, you know, find out that the suspect is white or whatever the case may be. They don't see themselves. I don't think they're like, oh, it's another one of us. Like when, when, you know, to pull back the curtains, uh, you know, in my perspective, whenever I see something happen to us, I feel it. You know what I'm saying? Whether it be good or bad, you know, celebrating and not celebrating, you know. Um, <clears throat> and that's just because we are connected, you know, by our experiences or by about being black, you know, and, you know, the black, black experience. It may be different no matter what parts of the world you are in terms of things that you've gone through, but it all connects us because we all have a similar and shared story among us all. So, you know, I'm proud of my people, but I am tired of seeing us getting the bad end of the stick in every epidemic, every situation that happens. You know what I'm saying? Across this world, everything that has happened, we've always been there, you know? And our experience is always the tragic of the experiences among people who are affected by 
things like pandemics and, you know, uh, um, officer or not officer, you know, uh, unearned shootings and things like that. We're always looked at as, you know, being, you know, we're victims, but not often uh, is there sympathy for us because everybody likes to disconnect themselves from that black man or that black woman because they don't see themselves. They don't, they're unable to see themselves in their situation. So it's tough, but that brought some, some happiness. Uh, and it also showed that this story is, is definitely gaining momentum. Um, you know, Sean King, um, is, um, uh, doing a run with Ahmad on, on Saturday or, the weekend here uh, where you can sign up and actually take a picture, you know, put hashtag run with the mod um, and go out and run with the white t-shirt on and, and, you know, put yourselves, uh, not put yourselves in their shoes. I'm sorry, but, you know, go run for his, his, you know, for the justice of, of, of this young man, because honestly um, we need to get some justice for him. And I'm grateful that social media was used in a positive way at this point. Um, yeah, obviously there's conversations to be had about, you know, monetizing and, you know, um, going about it, you know, uh, with the standpoint of creating another hashtag and moving right into what we would normally do in situations like this. But, you know, I think that it wouldn't have gotten the attention that it needed had we not um, had it not been through social media, it wouldn't have been on a lot of people's purview. So, um, you know, to go back to the two Americas things, you know, there, there are situations where, you know, with, with me, for example, and I, I told this story on my Facebook live a while ago. Um, it was a situation where when uh, the place that I purchased my car, um, they dropped the ball in a particular situation. And honestly, had this situation fell out even more, it would have been a bad, bad, bad way for me. And, you know, me being the person that I am, I'm, I've always been preemptive when it comes to trying to minimize, just undo stress for myself. You know what I'm saying? I've always been a champion for myself and the people I love. But this particular situation, you know, that I just kind of saw some things happen and it made me want to react rather than just waiting for, you know, the, the chips to fall wherever they may. But when I went to confront the people that I was doing my business with, you know, uh, with purchasing my car, I was shushed you know, quite quickly um, because they felt that I was being too loud. You know, they're really just policing my tone and policing how I shouldn't feel that way and how it's their, not their fault. Instead of them taking the time to try to figure out what the issue ultimately was that I was having, they were really just trying to police my behavior. And I wasn't loud. I wasn't, you know, and naturally, we do talk loud. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that my voice wasn't raised, but it be- it became raised because I started to get frustrated about them really just talking about my tone 
and not addressing the situation. And the rigmarole, if you will, I go through trying to decipher what's happening here and if I'm making a bigger deal out of nothing. You know what I'm saying? Just going back and forth with that and just feeling like I'm crazy because no matter how much I express with the nicest tone possible that this is happening to me, there just doesn't seem like there's any type of concern or care about my situation. And I was only there, I actually just went to go and get an extra key for my car. And then I found out that something that was supposed to happen didn't happen. And that this is going to be a bigger issue if it isn't taken care of. But I didn't go to the dealership with that intention of fixing it. I just really went to go get another key so I can give Carlos his key. So, you know, he can open the car or, you know, he has his own set of keys instead of having to use mine. So long story short, the situation was fixed. I ended up having to spend an hour and a half or two hours in a place that I did not want to be because I had shit to do. I had things I wanted to continue, you know, for the day. I didn't have time to go out and finish this. And this is your job. This is supposed to be taken care of by you. So why am I sitting here now and part of your, uh, um, you know, your, your situation trying to fix something that you created. Like this ain't got nothing to do with me. At this point, I've already done my part. I need you to do yours. And I'm I'm choosing not to go too much into detail because I don't want to put that place out on front of, um, honestly. But I mean, I it was taken care of, but I can assure you guys that it wasn't without undue stress. So, but needless to say, that situation was escalated simply because they wanted to take the time to, to, to police my tone rather than fixing the situation, which happens often with us. Well, you shouldn't feel that way or, you know, whatever it is we're being told to help us cal- or to tell us to calm down, you know, everything short of just saying shut the fuck up, you know, that happens all the time. You know, that happens when we go to the ER and we talk about this chest pain in our our chest and it's dismissed as it being a panic attack. And then we go home to die because that happened a few months ago, you know, with this young lady who ended up having a heart attack. And, you know, they told her that she had, you know, that it was going to be a four hour wait and she didn't want to wait four hours. Little did she know that her life was literally on the line and she wasn't taken seriously because of the powers that be and the person that, you know, took stock of that situation felt like she wasn't a priority and now she's dead. You know, we have to find, we have to find creative ways to be able to tell our stories because at first glance, people don't always believe us. They don't believe us for whatever reason, as if we would go and lie and embellish the story for, you know, just fake sympathy. No. You know, it's it, it happens all the time. And this was this is another situation where we're the butt of the joke, you know, and then it, it pains me to see us fighting among each other and having conversations and saying things like this wouldn't happen to us if we had generational wealth or whatever the case may be 
you know, starting the conversation in different areas without having empathy for the people that we lost. It's just amazing to me. Um, I don't want to put this young lady out on front of, but I was having a conversation with her and I just agreed to disagree ultimately with the conversation that we were having. And, you know, I, I spoke a little bit about the conversation um, earlier in the podcast about it read something as if if we invested in uh, life insurance, you know, the 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 insurance people will, you know, lobby for us to, you know, because they would be paying out these premiums. And like I said, I don't want to go into detail about how wrong that conversation is and starting the conversation at that level is. But seeing us give more fuel to the fire and basically just giving others, you know, racist and and, and things of that nature, because that's essentially what they are, what these people are that, you know, create these experiences for black people and these differences that we have, you know, they're racist. And it just gives them more fuel to say, this is why there's a disconnect. When in reality, it's a human, um, uh, a human um, relations situation. And that's for lack of a better word. You know, it's because we aren't taken seriously in every step of the way. And it's unfortunate. It's not fun. And it's not fair. And I wanted to come on here and talk about my experience of being a black man because I feel the weight of this man's story on my chest, or these men, because we're talking about Sean and Ahmad. I feel the weight of these stories, and it makes me not be able to sleep at night. Last night, I had a hard time falling asleep, and I know Carlos could sense it because he had a hard time falling asleep. And, you know, I'm sorry it doesn't cut it anymore. We really need to sit down and have conversations about what we're going to do to fix this. And it starts with this country apologizing for 400 years of slavery and just dropping us off in the middle of the race unequipped. You know, because that's really what this is about. We have too many people that want to dismiss it as being four or 500 years ago, you know, and that we should be over it and we're free now when these are the same people that won't give up the freaking um, Confederate flag when that was years ago. You lost the war. Why are we still, why is this, I don't understand, but you want us to get over slavery. You know, even though it is a direct impact of how we live our lives today. My dad is uh, is is second um, uh, or third generation, um, you know, from being a slave. His mom is 97 years old. His mom, uh, his mom and dad were sharecroppers, you know, and his, you know, great grand parents were slave owners or were slaves, right? And I'm from Albany, Georgia, the Albany Civil Rights Movement. Martin Luther King walked through my city. So there's a level of pride that I have 
you know, in terms of being, you know, somewhat my city being somewhat, not somewhat, a part of the civil rights movement. I'm proud about that fact. And I'm always going to advocate for us. And when I mean by us, I'm always going to advocate for my black people and people of color because I feel like that's what my calling is to do. So I wanted to use my time wisely with this conversation and take the time to explain to you guys that we got to do more and we need more than just black people to and brown people to just have these conversations and say, we're sick of it. We need our allies, our allies to stand up. People, uh, people, uh, non, non people of color, people, people who happen to be white. We need you to, you know, post pictures explaining your disdain about, uh, you know, what you see rather than just letting this happen. You know what I'm saying? Stand with us and stand for us because it's ultimately going to be a collective effort. And black people in this country, we are still looked at as minorities. So no matter how much we band together, we're still going to be looked at as minorities in this area because we have no power to essentially move the conversation forward. We can talk about it until we blow in the face, but it's never going to change until we get our allies on our side and fight with us in the trenches in terms of fighting to get social justice and changing laws and changing the outcome of these situations by being invested in our well-being as well as your own. We gotta we gotta figure out a way that this doesn't happen again because I don't want it to happen again. I'm tired. You know, I literally was tired. You know, I don't want to dismiss it and be like, oh, here we go again, because that's not fair. That's not fair to these men who who die. But it's going to take more than us, more than black people to, you know, to talk about the, you know, the experience. You know, we got to do more and we got to get our allies on board. Amanda Seals has this really um poignant thing that that she says often is she talks about white people and people who happen to be white <laughs> white people are people who know their privilege and understand that they uh benefit from it and they understand that they um but they also believe in the hype that because they are white they are privileged they do have privilege and then you have people who happen to be white who have and know that they have privilege and they use that to uplift others without overshadowing and trying to tell, you know, black people or people of color that, hey, I got this. You know, they don't have that white savior complex. So, you know, you, you, you really have to take, a, uh, take the time to listen or not listen. Yeah, listen to these stories and figure out which one do you want to. Be because sitting back and doing nothing is, is not an option anymore. It can't be. You know, we, I'm tired of hashtags. 
you know, I, uh, one of my uh, Facebook friends, and I'm going to read you guys this really quickly here, posted something that I felt that was just, it took the words out of my mouth. And it was, it was exactly what my sentiments were. It says, and this is, you know, posted on Facebook, so I'm seeing, I'm sure you, you guys have probably heard it or seen it, but it says, black people are so tired. We can't go jogging. Hashtag uh, Ahmad Arbery. We can't relax in the comfort of our own home. Botham Sean and Atiana Jefferson. We can't ask for help after being in a car crash. And, uh, hashtag Jonathan Farrell and Renisha McBride. We can't have a, a cell phone. Hashtag Stephen Clark. We can't leave a party to get to safety. Hashtag Jordan Edwards. We can't play live music. Hashtag Jordan Davis. We can't sell CDs. Hashtag Alton Sterling. We can't sleep. Ayanna Jones. Hashtag. We can't walk away from the corner store. Hashtag Mike Brown. We can't play cops and robber. Hashtag Tamir Rice. We can't go to church. Hashtag Charleston Nine. We can't walk home with skills. Hashtag Trayvon Martin. We can't hold the hairbrush while leaving our own bachelor party. Hashtag Sean Bell. We can't party on New Year's Eve or New Year's. Hashtag Oscar Grant. We can't get a normal traffic ticket. Hashtag Sandra Bland. We can't lawfully carry a weapon. Hashtag Philando Castillo. We can't break down on a public road with car problems. Hashtag Corey Jones. We can't stop at Walmart. Hashtag John Crawford. We can't have a disabled vehicle. Hashtag Terrence Cruthers. We can't read a book in our home own car. Hashtag Keith Scott. We can't be a 10-year-old walking our grandfather, walking with our grandfather. Hashtag Clifford Glover. We can't decorate for a party. Hashtag Claude Reese. We can't ask a cop a question. Hashtag Randy Evans. We can't cash our check in peace. Hashtag Yvonne Smallwood. We can't take out our wallets. Hashtag Amadou Diallo. We can't run. Walter Scott. We can't breathe. Eric Garner. We can't live. Freddie Gray. We're tired. We're tired of making hashtags. We're tired of trying to convince you that our black lives matter too. Tired of dying. Tired, tired, tired. So very tired. So that should sum up. That sums up my sentiments exactly and how a lot of African-Americans in this world feel. Now, whether you like to be called African-American, Black American, it's up to you. Um, At some point, I'm not going to lie, guys, I did have a problem being called Black because I felt like I did not represent Blackness, per se, Um, in the grand scheme of Black and White. I'm more of a brown color, peanut butter brown, if you will, dark, caramel color. You know, I was being very little, literal. But now I feel the the power of being black. Uh, and I, 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 
definitely take it with with as much power and pride as I possibly can because I I enjoy being black. I really do. So um I hope that kind of explains my stance on this story or these stories. We are tired of this happening and we are looking forward to moving far beyond this to we have a day where we don't have to talk about hashtags. You know, I'm ready to be done with this situation and move to the next. Because this has gotten old and we are tired. Thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. Uh, I appreciate you listening. Please share. Please go and subscribe. Again, you can find me on Spotify. You can also find me on uh, Apple uh, Podcasts. Just go in in the search bar and type in Reggie's Expression. And that's spelled R-E-G-G-E-E, apostrophe S, Expressions. All right. So I appreciate you guys again. Go listen, share, comment, and let's create a dialogue. I want to hear your thoughts and your uh, your just your feelings about what's going on, okay? Because we do need to put it into this. And I just want to hear what you guys think. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your night. Thank you for your time. Love you here. Um, this is another successful podcast. I think I'm at episode 10. Awesome sauce. And I promise you guys that I won't be you know, as distant as I have been. I just needed to take some time for myself and just relax. Work was becoming a lot. And I just wasn't, you know, as into it as I am before. But, you know, um, all things in their own time, right? Enjoy the rest of your day. um, And thank you for listening. Peace.